0: Good morning, church. I want to introduce Frank Mayo again, who's painting for us this morning in our uh, heroic journeys. So, Frank, thank you so much. And if you're wondering who he's painting, that this is uh, today is on St. Patrick, and so St. Patrick is is one of my heroes. Um, of the faith, and I want to share a little bit of his story and significance today. And I was trying to figure out how to start today. Was it like to teach you how to make green beer in order to prepare for St. Patrick's Day? Well, if I must. So you start with the green dye. So that goes in the pint glass first. So there's discrepancy if it's one drop to three drops or five drops. I think you should experiment. I would say maybe two drops. Two drops of green dye, your pint of beer, and that's it. Betty Crocker happens to have a green beer, you know, helpful tool in order to do this. So that's how you do it. Um, My hope today as we talk about St. Patrick is for you to engage in St. Patrick's Day. I would love for us as a community to celebrate St. Patrick's Day more than anyone. I would love for us to embrace that holiday in the spirit of St. Patrick. And so today I want to talk about that the Spirit of St. Patrick. So St. Patrick's Day is March the 17th. So that's, that's coming up. We still have some time. So I want to prepare you for it. So you can be ready for it. So I think, is it on a Sunday? Anybody have a calendar? Yeah, it's on a Sunday, March the 17th. And really what I'm invited to do is to throw a party or to go to a party, right? And to step into the Spirit of St. Patrick. And so that's what we're going to encourage with you today. So here's the Uh, St. Patrick, he, uh, he wrote a book called The Confessions. It's an autobiography of his, and it starts with this. I'm Patrick, a sinner, most unlearned, the least of the faithful, and utterly despised by many. That's his opening line. So let me get into his life, and you can get a picture of this man even by that statement in his life. So Patrick grew up in Northeast England. His people were the Britons, so as you may, not, so you may know, he's not Irish, right? He grew up in, in Britain, and at about 16 years old, a band of Celtic pirates from Ireland raided and invaded the region where Patrick lived and captured him, and a, a number of other young youth. This was a common practice with this time, which is in the late 4th century, and so he's in there. They grab him and a number of other youths, and they take him to Ireland. He's so, he is sold to a chieftain there, to a tribal chief, and he's put to work herding cattle. And so, and he is in this captivity for about six years. He was 16, and at 22, something changes. But something significant happened to Patrick. He was, his, his parents were merchants. His family was rather wealthy. But as he was herding cattle... He connected with God in nature. He had a Christian upbringing of some sort. But while he was there in the wilderness, he engaged God in nature. He didn't have any of the scriptures and things, but he he connected with God deeply as he sat in these fields. And he began to pray. And first his prayers were, you know, a couple times a day. And eventually it grew to where Patrick was praying a hundred times a day and even more so into the night. Just these practices of moment by moment with God. The other thing that began to happen with Patrick is he began to understood his captors. He began to, uh, he learned their language and their culture, which was kind of rare for a slave at that time. He learned the language and he learned the culture of the people there in Ireland. And the third thing that began to happen to his captors, he actually began to love his captors. Began to love them identify with them and to long for their reconciliation with God. Six years into his captivity as a slave, herding cattle and stuff, after six years, a voice spoke to Patrick in a dream saying, This, you're going home. Look, your ship is ready. He woke before daybreak. He walked to the coast. He saw a ship and he negotiated his way on board. And he returned home. Now, no one knows actually how long it took him to get there. But once he did get there and back into England, he joined a monastery. He became a priest. He was rather old for stepping into that because some of his formative years when he had been learning, he was in slavery. And so, but he joins the monastery he begins to to learn, immerse himself into the scriptures and the theology of the Western church at the time. This was the only church in his area was the Roman Catholic church and he became a priest. And he served the church as a parish priest in England. But when he was 48 years old, he had another dream. And for many people, where Patrick was, at 48, you're, you're, you've lived your life expectancy. You've lived all you were going to live for the most part. But at 48, he hears a vision from God. When it comes to life expectancy, there's a website, this guy named das, uh, Nas Daily. He, was a, he, he did a thousand videos, uh, one a day with one minute. And every day he would wear this shirt talking about the percentage of his life that you've lived so you can go to his, his website, and, and I, I saw some of his videos, and I did it, and it showed that I had lived 59% of my life already, and it just, it kind of messed with me, right? When you kind of know that you're like, oh man, I'm, I'm over half? And for some of you, I don't know what it would say, right? But it said, yeah, you're at 59% in the United States. So life expectancy is an interesting thing that can motivate us, or it can demotivate us. And some would even believe that, oh, I've lived to the fullness. I've lived up all the time that I can expect to. I guess we're kind of done. But Patrick, who lived up to his expected time, gets a vision from God. When he was 48 years old, he's already passed a man's life expectancy. And an angel named Victor approached him with letters from his former captives in Ireland. And he heard the voice of the people, was one voice, and the voice cried to him and said this, We appeal to you, holy servant boy. To come and walk among us. Now, Patrick heard this. And because he had immersed himself in the scriptures, he knew of Paul. Who was one of the early first century missionaries, right? He was one of the converts to Christianity and took the message of the gospel to people outside of the Jewish faith. And Paul had a very similar I'm experienced in a dream when he was trying to discern where God was wanting to lead him, where God was moving him in his community. And in Acts 16, this is called the Macedonian Call. In Acts 16, verses 9 and 10, it says this. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man from Macedonia, standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, he got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Well, this is exactly what Patrick discerned. He saw this as his Macedonian call. He was like, oh my gosh, the Irish, are, they're calling me to come. So he went uh, to his bishop and went to the pope and, and his superiors. And he proposed that he be sent on this mission. Well, they affirmed his vision and they ordained Patrick as a bishop. A missionary bishop. He was the first missionary bishop to ever ever live. Bishops were usually kind of over a territory that was already sort of founded. There was boundaries drawn up. And they would oversee and, and help to build structures and things like that. But Patrick was different. There was no structure. There was nothing. The Irish were considered barbarians. They weren't Roman. They didn't have roads. They didn't have centralized cities. And they were believed to to believe that the gospel, they they actually couldn't receive it because they were like animals. So the gospel was beyond them. But yet God had called for Patrick to go there and he goes. They affirmed him and they sent him. And he arrives in Ireland with a small entourage of priests in 1432. And upon arriving, Patrick had a sort of a process that he would do that was very different than the Roman way, the, the, the Western way of being sent out as a missionary. The Roman way was kind of like, we're going to propose the right doctrine, and if you believe it, then you belong to our movement. If you, you, you believe first, and then you get to belong. And Patrick knew that that wasn't going to work with the Irish. No, they needed to belong first. And then over a period of time, they would, they would believe. So the first thing that Patrick would do is that he would go um, among a king or the other opinion leaders, and he would engage in conversation with them at, at least a chance to share the gospel with them, for them to experience conversion. But if they didn't, he would just ask for clearance to camp right up next to the city or the little town that was there, clearance to um, camp near the people in the form of a community of faith adjacent to the tribal community. The team would meet people, engage in conversation and in ministry, and look for people who appeared receptive. They would pray for the sick and possessed people, and they would counsel people and mediate conflicts. And so Patrick's simple approach among the Irish was to invite them to join them, to join in his community the 12 to 15 or so missionaries that he had with them. And they, as a missionary community, just did what they normally did, but they invited people to be with them in their everyday living. And they would live together in peace and meet the needs of the people around them as these needs became known to them. Patrick lived in community and offered it. He had this sort of missionary community that he did. And in the course of under 30 years of living out this process, they would have a few converts that would come. They, if, 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 if God kind of moved among them, if there was enough, they would build a church there among them. They would train up people who would stay back and they would take a few of the converts with them to the next city. In the course of 28 years... It's supposed that that Patrick and some had said that he planted 700 churches and ordained 1,000 priests. Like, how in the world could that have happened? How was he so effective? To see almost the whole... Now, the the whole country wasn't converted, but he had definitely tipped the scales, and then tipped the scale of, 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 of a country experiencing faith. And within the next generations after... Patrick they saw incredible fruit and all from this very simple methodology of being among people loving them and stepping in so what's so effective about this well there's a missionary named Paul um Hebert and, and he talks about Patrick in this way what he had done and he said that 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 Patrick lived life on this sort of middle level the middle zone of life See, when it came to life, sort of explaining life and all of its nuance and stuff, he said there's three levels. There's the upper level, and this is the transcendence level of life, and the upper level, you're talking about things that are beyond our knowing and our senses and to the mystical, the sort of transcendence, sort of what happens after life. How about the origin of humanity? Uh, How about these questions about our purpose? This is the upper upper level of, of this. This is the upper zone, the highest zone. What happens when you die? How were you born? What is the purpose of humanity? These are questions that are asked individually. They're asked uh, in, within a community and a society. And then there's a thing called the lower level. And the lower level is sort of the natural sciences of things. How do you clean a fish? Uh, how do you build a house? And it said that, that life engages in this. You need to teach people this lower level stuff. How do you, how do you engage normally in life? How do, you, how do you plant wheat? And how do you put it in crops and see that it grows? But the majority of people lived life among those two zones, the upper and the lower, and they ignored the middle. Now, the middle zone is really interesting because the middle zone steps out of these two and, and, and steps into the anxieties of life, the middle zone. The middle zone is uh, what happens with an unforeseen tragedy. How about when you can't control nature and and you plan for that or you're concerned about a marriage or knowing what job to step into or you've got a sick child or a sick spouse and you want to know what to do and how to engage in this. These middle zones, this middle level deals with questions of uncertainty of the near future, crises of the present life and the unknowns of the past, accidents, misfortunes, unknown events that frustrate human planning. And for many people, within the history of mankind, they step to some interesting places in order to answer these questions. In our day and time, you might go to a horoscope. You might go to life coaches. Another day is you would, you would find blessings or curses, or you'd go to shaman, or you'd go to a fortune teller. And they're stepping into these things in order to help them discern about how to live into the middle level. Paul Hubert, who who wrote about this, was a missionary to India in 1960. And he said his whole training was living in the top sphere of the big questions and the the bottom sphere of understanding just the natural sciences of life. But he had somehow ignored this middle zone. And all of a sudden, as he was trying to minister among the the people of India, that there's an outbreak of smallpox that happened in a neighboring community. Well, the neighboring community said, oh, this we've angered the gods that are here, and this happened to be a Muslim god that they were believing. We've angered the gods, and we need to sacrifice a water buffalo in order to be able to sustain and help our community survive this because people were catching the smallpox and dying. And so this small community went around to all the neighbors to collect money so they could buy a water buffalo. And engage in this ritualistic practice. Offer up the water buffalo in order to appease the gods. Well, the Christians who were among them knew that they couldn't partake in that. So they wouldn't give any money to it. And that kind of put them at odds with the rest of their community who's trying to wrestle with, what do we do? How do we engage? How do we step into this middle zone? And yet, the, the Christians didn't have an answer at that time, and they were being removed from community. They were told, well, if you don't, if you don't participate in this, we're not going to sell to you. We're not going to engage with you. And so, this Indian man comes to, the, to, to this missionary saying, hey, we, we need your help. And not only that, my daughter has... She's been infected with smallpox. What do we do? And the missionary struggled. Struggled with knowing how to navigate this middle zone of life. And it said it wrecked him a bit. But he prayed a prayer for her healing. A week later the man comes back and the daughter had died. And they mourned together. But he said that the interesting part is that when he came back after her death, it wasn't all tragedy for him. They mourned and they cried over the passing of his daughter. And he thought that the tribe people and, and that the, in his Indian community that they would have seen this reality and and his daughter not being sustained as they had even prayed to their living God and her life wasn't spared. But it said their whole community watched as they mourned, but also watched as they believed in the resurrection of the dead and watched how they had hope for seeing her again. And it led to many of them believing as they stepped into these harsh realities of experiencing death and having hope for a future. Now, St. Patrick had this beautiful way of stepping into the middle ground of life, and he did this through daily practices of being in community. He had his community of priests and and of workmen and workwomen that were among him. And they engaged life in this middle zone. And they did it a lot of times through um, corporate prayer. They wrote prayers because Patrick, one, had learned in the fields of Ireland how to engage God in prayer like 100 times a day and through the night. And so they had these prayers for everything Prayers for going on a journey, prayers for blessing a new home, prayers for stepping into a new marriage, prayers for the birth of a child, prayers for a sick child. These were prayers that they knew and they had memorized where they could step in together and pray together and engage in this middle zone of life that was filled with anxiety and pressure and fear and uncertainty. And they would address it in community, embracing each other in these hardships and offering the hope of the good news to these Prayers. And also through community, by sharing what they had with one another. They said that so much of life when we're with other people, with Patrick and Steph, when people are watching him, and when the Irish community is watching him and his missionary community, they're asking a number of things in order to say, are they credible? And they're watching things like this. Do they believe what they say? Do they live by what they believe? And does it make any difference in their life? And this is exactly the same context that we live in. As we live among people saying, ah, do they believe what they say? Do they live what they believe? And the third one doesn't make any difference in their life. Patrick embraced this middle zone of life, holding in his faith and hardships, and began to engage in the community and offering all they had in order to help others. And they would engage in this by praying and caring for people. And here's some, of the road, here's some of the prayers they had in order to help people in this middle zone of life, right? And so this is one about before you start a fire in the morning. I have the words up in there, if you want to follow along. This is a prayer of starting a fire. I will kindle my fire this morning in the presence of the holy angels of heaven. God, kindle thou in my heart within, a flame to love, to my neighbor, to my foe, to my friend. To my kinder all, to the brave, to the knave, to the thrall. So prayer is to engage in every ordinary portion of life. This is a prayer of blessing that could be prayed upon uh, anyone in any circumstances. May the peace of Christ Jesus go with you wherever He may send you. May He guide you through the wilderness, protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again to our doors. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Here's that evening prayer. I find this one incredibly beautiful. Because I know a number of us, when it comes to evening, and with so much anxiety, and uh, depression, and fear, and uncertainty, that many of us carry those concerns of tomorrow into our nights. Making it hard to sleep. And we're trying to wondering, how do you engage? How do you step into these with patterns that really, that really matter? What's that middle zone of life of anxiety and fear and uncertainty that most of us live into? I love this prayer. I think it's one that all of us could be praying every day and teaching to others and modeling for one another within community. This is an evening prayer. Here, read it along with me if you can, if you can for those you can see it. So, Lord, you have always given bread for the coming day. And though I am poor, today I believe. Lord, you've always given strength for the coming day. And though I am weak, today I believe. Lord, you've always given peace for the coming day. And though of anxious heart, today I believe. Lord, you have always kept me safe in trials. And now, tried as I am, today I believe. Lord, you have always marked the road for the coming day, and though it may be hidden, today I believe. Lord, you have always lightened this darkness of mine, and though the night is here, today I believe. Lord, you have always spoken when time was ripe, and though you be silent now, today I believe. What a beautiful prayer to engage this reality of the now, of the uncertainty of the future, but to, to remind ourselves. And what Patrick's did, these weren't, these weren't individualistic prayers. These were prayers they would pray in community. As they gathered as a community, they would invite the people in with them and they would step into these patterns and practices as a family and teaching those who are among them what it was to engage life, believing in God, you can find these prayers. There's a number of um, Celtic prayer books. If you're wanting to learn kinds of prayers that you could pray within your small group or among a pocket of people. The one that I grabbed was from the North Umbria. It's called Celtic Daily Prayers. And you can find those um, all, in, all over the place. But what I found so significant about St. Patrick's and the thing that I want to invite us to step into the reason why I wanted to talk about this and I wanted to prepare for the number of last number of years, I've, we've, my wife and I, Carmel, we've thrown a St. Patrick's Day party. And I want to invite you to throw a St. Patrick's Day party or to attend um, another one. But I, I want us to throw parties. And I want us to throw it in the heart of St. Patrick following his simple method. See, he, he was a missionary And he planted all these churches. And St. Patrick's Day is a day that that remembers his death, supposedly. It was um, on March the 17th in in, in 460. Now, ironically, St. Patrick's Day was not a holiday that was celebrated in Ireland. It was brought to Boston and began to be celebrated there like in the 1700s uh, because they were wanting to embrace their Irish heritage. But it became such a popular thing in the Boston and the United States that the Irish began to celebrate it as well in the 1900s, and they would go to pubs and celebrate their heritage. And so um, you don't have to be Irish to celebrate St. Patrick's Day, right? I mean, I don't think it matters at all of your nationality. Now, I I happen to be Irish myself or some sliver of it. My last name is Irish, and my grandfather was an Irishman. And so I, I happen to have this heritage. But I also celebrate Cinco de Mayo, Right? These are amazing, amazing holidays. And so I want to encourage you, celebrate St. Patrick's Day. He wasn't Irish, but celebrate his life. And of any holiday that other people would want to join you in, they would want to join you in St. Patrick's Day. If you don't believe me, put out a test in there and throw out an invitation to a St. Patrick's Day party and throw out an invitation to an Easter party, right? No one's going to come to your Easter party if they're your neighbors, right? They are, they're going to be weirded out. It's going to be so religious, and, and so they, they won't come. But your friends, regardless of their faith affiliation, whatever they believe, will come to your St. Patrick's Day party. And so we've hosted that and, and we do so. And I want you to host it in the spirit of St. Patrick. In a simplistic approach of St. Patrick. Because he was teaching the people how to be a simple approach to engaging in missional activity in a normal way. And here's what his approach was. You give an invitation. Now, his approach was this. Give an invitation to join your community. Now, his community was a faith community. And many of you have friends who are friends of faith, right? And they, and they would probably even come to your party. He would attend here, and it's a faith community. But he invited the surrounding people to join in with his community. And so this is what he did. He made an invitation, come and celebrate. And when they were there, they engaged in conversation, They engaged in prayer and worship and shared life. Meaning that if there was somebody sick, they'd pray for them. Or if there was a need that became known, they would meet the need. Their worship was just giving thanks for God's good gifts. You don't have to play worship songs at your St. Patrick's Day. I'd probably say, don't do that. Right? You know, it might, that might be a little bit weird if you're inviting your friends and your neighbors, Right? They won't come back probably. But here's what I invite you to do. Make an invitation to your friends, to your neighbors, to your community. Invite people to join you in celebrating for a night. Have them come in. Have other people with you who can be there to, to purely love your friends. That will be their job. Love them. Hang out with them. Talk to them. Engage in conversation. That's it. Have green beer if you like green beer. Have whiskey, Jameson whiskey if you like it. Drink Guinness if you like it. Make Guinness beef stew. If you're vegetarian, make stew without the meat. I don't know. Make your things green, right? You You don't have to. You can do whatever you want. Show hospitality. Welcome people into your space and engage in conversation. Listen to them. Love them. This is what Patrick did. He welcomed them into their community. Invite other people that are with you and just say, our role here is just to engage in conversation and love people. And if we hear that people are hurting or sick, we'll pray for them. If you hear of a need, we'll meet it. And if not, we'll just hang out and celebrate life. And I'm saying that maybe if you're looking for do some form of worship, right, that could be this. Just to have the opportunity to be grateful and to be able to share, hey, what's one thing you're grateful for? Now, we believe that all good things come from God. So when we give worship, we give God thanks for good things. Now, Patrick's approach was that, right? Invite people in, engage with them in conversation, and in time, they may discover that they believe. Well, you believe. As they get a chance to witness it being lived out in your life. In time, they may discover that they believe. And when that happens, then you invite them to commit. Through baptism, through through other practices. And so this is my encouragement for us is would you engage in St. Patrick's Day? Would you invite people near in and engage in conversation? Would you have a group of people around you? What was so profound about St. Patrick and his missionary endeavor is he did it in community. It wasn't one person, it wasn't one family. There was a group of people. And when a group of people were invited into their community, their community loved them. Their community showed them what it looked like to trust Jesus. Their community showed them what it looked like to trust Jesus in all the uncertainty of poverty, of of death, of sickness, of weakness, of anxiety. They showed them what that was like, and they welcomed that into all of their mess, welcomed them into their patterns. So my question is, do do you have a community like that? Where you get to practice those kinds of things. Where you get to care for each other in all the mess of life. And you have a community like that that you're able to invite others into just to see it. that was so simple. Inviting others. You weren't trying to convince them of anything. You're just going to let them see your love for each other. Let them see your weakness. And let them hear about the God that loves you. And that cares for your every need. Let them hear your prayers, prayers of uncertainty but of trust. Allow them to see it. Let them belong before they believe. This was St. Patrick's missionary way. And so I want to invite you, for those of you with us for the vision breakfast that we had uh, on the Saturday before, we were talking about longing to see a number of uh, we call them missional communities, kind of birth within our community. And that's what St. Patrick was. He was, a, he was creating a missional community of people who were just stepping into the ordinary lives and inviting people to be with them, to see their lives transformed with the gospel. They were meeting needs of the poor. They were, they were uh, taking on issues of slavery within their day. But they were inviting people in a simple way to see their life and experience the risen Jesus in their life. St. Patrick, when he first went back to Ireland, he was going to visit the, the tribal king who had bought him from slavery. And he was going to go to him and he was going to take the amount that he was sold into slavery for and give it to him. Because he knew that he had ran away and that he lost on him. He was going to pay this amount for his redemption. Now, Patrick wanted to do so because he believed that to be the perfect um, illustration for what Jesus has done for him. So he wanted to go to this tribal king and pay him this amount to pay for his freedom from slavery, and then to share with this tribal king what Jesus had done for him that he had paid for his slavery to free him out of his debt of sin, and that Jesus stepped in to do this willingly out of his love for us. He longed to present that message to the one that had held him for six years. Before he got there, his, this, this tribal king had heard he was coming and got afraid, locked to the doors of his house and set it on fire. Patrick's longing was to share the gift of God's love and not everyone understands it. Not everyone will experience it. Not everyone will receive it. But the reality is that a country was changed through the simple endeavor of a group of people hearing the call of Jesus to step in and build normal relationships in our weakness and all of life's uncertainty and to proclaim the goodness of God in it. May we follow that same example. And so if you didn't hear me, here's the challenge. Sunday, March the 17th, pull some people together and throw a St. Patrick's Day party. Now, if you only invite people who believe like you and look like you and you know who are all christians and stuff like that I mean, that's not bad but that wasn't the heart of patrick the heart of patrick he wanted everyone to know he wanted people to see and to look into our lives so look into your life and invite people have a group of people send out invitations and we're going to give you some tools for that as that approaches for those of you who long to do so. If you're like, you know, I don't know St. Patrick's Day's a little weird. You know, February 3rd, Super Bowl Sunday, you can do the same thing. <laughs> right? It's a cultural event where you can invite people into your life and show them just what it's like to live with people who care about you and who love you. How to engage with one another. How you care for one another's needs. And you can invite people into it. February the 3rd, another perfect date to do the exact same thing. May your heart and your lives be open to God's activity in it. Let me pray. So Father, we praise you for this this example. But we know that Patrick was an example of Jesus who lived among normal people who were hurting, who were broken, who were struggling with all these sort of middle areas of life, knowing how how to engage with anxiety and fear and the uncertainty. And Jesus pulled them in close and let them be near him. And it was offensive to many. They didn't understand. We praise you for Jesus' example that he comes near and he, feet, and he, he sits at tables with people and welcomes them before they believe. May we know that we, we, we can belong to you even with all of our beliefs being unsorted confused in them, that we can belong to a people. May we feel your grasp on us, your pursuit of us, your love for us. Now, Father, may your love be made known to everyone in this area. May our lives be open to you, God, and to others. God, in your mercy, would you help us to live in real community, that we actually had something to share with others. Let that be, Lord. This we pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dan is going to send us off in, um, in a prayer of blessing and a benediction from St. Patrick. Before you do, Dan, so uh, one more illustration from my own life, this being lived out on New Year's Eve, we threw a party, invited neighbors and stuff to our house, and then we had other people from our small group with us, just doing what we normally do, engaging in conversation and eating a meal together. And and our neighbors are, they're not Jesus followers, At least it's not certain, right? And they know I'm a pastor, right? And that's always always an interesting thing. But we invited a community of people, and the community of people were there from here, and they're loving our neighbors, And our neighbors left our New Year's Eve party and said, that was the best New Year's Eve party I've ever been to in my life. Now, what what was that? Was that the food that we made, the drinks that we had? It was that there was a group of people who loved each other, who engaged in conversation and listened to each other. What made that a thousand times more impactful than just Carmel and I hanging out with our neighbors was that they were hanging out with our community. And, and that's what Patrick was doing. He was like, pull your community in, invite your people into it, and love them. Right? Love each other. Let them see your love for one another, your care for one another. It is simple, but it is profound. And so may God encourage us and equip us to do the same.
1: So as Patrick began his heroic journeys... Uh, you know, he, he ministered in a place that was full of a lot of violence, these warring uh, tribes and, and uh, little kingdoms, and he went without any weapon uh, into that context to love on people. And so as we go out, uh, I want to uh, invite you to uh, join with me in, in, in what uh, Patrick called Patrick's breastplate, uh, or it's attributed to him. It's kind of uh, developed, and, and I'm going to do my own developing uh, for this moment. But um, every day he would uh, pray this uh, in some form, and uh, uh, many of us uh, continue that. Sharon and I uh, pray these uh, prayers that came out of the tradition of Patrick. We pray that every day we have for the last 15 years. And um, so as you go out from this place, uh, may Christ be your light. May Christ be your guide. May Christ be in front of you. May Christ be behind you. May Christ be above you. May Christ be below you. May Christ be on your left. May Christ be on your right. May Christ be within you. May Christ be around you. Christ is your light. Christ is your guide. Go forth to love and serve the Lord. Amen.